1: Hello, testing, testing. Hey guys, come on. Bring it in. Clap your hands now. Hi, I am Greg Reporter. Welcome to The Hang. Watch what happens when the people catch wind of the water hitting. In each episode, I sit down and talk with a close friend of mine.
2: It was around the time Nora Jones was coming out. Amy Winehouse, we were friends and we were doing tours together and stuff, but wow. someone going on like breakfast telly and talking
1: about Herbie Hancock was not a thing. Who's joining me this week? Yeah, man, so we're in Cheltingham. Cheltingham. Cheltenham. Obviously, we're here with the wonderful Jamie Cullen. This is The Hang. You know, I certainly remember being
2: the youngest person on the stage. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, gradually that changes. And now you're just the youngest-looking
1: person on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Come on.
2: Do you know, I, n- I never really... Um, I never really did the whole car thing.
1: You seem like a fast, fast car kind of guy. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> You've been inviting me to your house and I've never been. I was going to check out your garage, but now I know. Yeah. It's, you, you, it, you, it, you know, I ain't going to drive nothing. You know, it's going to be the same thing I got. You so. know, it's in
2: my garage at the moment. A lot of like burst um, paddling pools. <laughs> you know, like every, every year it bursts. And every year I think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to repair that. And then I go, oh, you know, what? it's 20 quid on Amazon. I'm gonna get another one, and I think oh, I can't throw it away because <laughs> it's like bad for landfill. So I'm I'm stuck with five of them.
1: Yeah, I got a bunch of swimming stuff in my uh, in my garage. That's that's funny. All, all the stuff that my son is just like grown tired of. Really, yeah, you know, this, this uh, alligator shaped floaties, you know, for the pool. He's like, ah, I don't like the alligator anymore. Then he, you know. So how so. old is how old is your son now? He's six.
2: He's yeah, six because I think six. I last time I saw your son your Your wife was pushing him around in the rain in san sebastian and he was uh he was definitely not six he was he was right. still in a pram right at pram age oh yeah and
1: oh wow yeah it's it's racing by huh for those americans uh who don't know what a pram is, <laughs> nobody else calls it a pram. I think
2: it's a stroller, right? Uh, Stroller, yeah. Mary Poppins calls it a pram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pram,
1: a a stroller. But the the, the prams here, you know, like if you got an old school one, it's got like you know, like like four eight spoke you know it's really kind of a sexy thing you know right. like white rubber tires and all this the kind ca- of thing. cadillac vibe right yeah, definitely right. no
2: we didn't use one of those i i swiftly moved on to one that you could fold up into as small a size as possible very yeah. quickly we didn't have one with fancy wheels okay it had no suspension yeah it was very very un un posh so we had a we had basically like a piece of canvas strapped over some metal wheels
1: yeah <laughs> jamie cullum obviously we've we've had some some opportunity to make music and and hang a little bit at different places in the world yeah and uh, so it's good to see you here you too um, we've hung here before in Cheltenham are you, you you've I've heard you call it Cheltingham a few times
2: <laughs> well I think it's it's the official way to call it isn't it no it's, it's, I think you I, do you know I, I tell you what you have got it right now Cheltenham you're saying it perfectly I mean you're bet right. ba- you're basically uh, you're, you're the spirit of Cheltenham now and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing it's good for this town they they need someone like you to liven it
1: up yeah I've been here a few times now I really I really love it you know I, I like I like going you know maybe to the lesser-known streets and lesser-known shops too is this you know soulful it's got, a, it's got a nice vibe and i think
2: actually the festival has kind of grown in a way that i certainly didn't see coming yeah. and i think it's got a lot to do with the you know the, the people that run it but so they just had great music here over the years, yeah. and musicians enjoy coming here because yeah. it's like it's out of London. Right. Most people stay over. Most people stay up late. Yeah. Most people get into some trouble, right. and uh, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, it's a good hang. And if you create an environment where musicians like to hang out, yeah, you're, you're onto a winner, I reckon. The hang, yeah,
1: the hang. Right, this the late night uh, jams that happen here in the hotel, Hotel de Vin, Hotel de Van, Hotel de Van. Duvin. hotel du yeah I have um been very very cool i remember i had done my show i stayed and had a drink at the bar and then i went up to my room and then i said oh, i'll just go back down just for a little bit and yeah. i ended up staying until they start putting the bread out for for breakfast yeah that is a that's an official I Cheltenham Jazz
2: Festival <laughs> things but Here's, here's, I got. I got a question for you. Now that you are like working at the rate that you are, yeah. and your career has gone in exactly the way it should have done, do you still do you still do that? Or do you go? Do you know what? I've got, I'm I'm a busy man. I've got to get some
1: sleep. <laughs> no, I do. Like there's jam sessions all over the world, and I don't do a lot of them. Or there, or there'll be a, a late night thing happening. But generally, I have a five. You know, AM flight to the next venue. So, you know, my, my hang is strategic, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I can't do it back to back to back. I have and Plus, the voice has to be talking is the enemy. Right. Yeah. Talking and, and generally you'll be talking with some, loud, with some loud music. Yeah. So you have to be you have to be careful with the instrument. So it's, there's a balance. There's a balance because music is social. Mm hmm. And uh I think you should be social with other musicians but but you have to be careful about uh taking care of your instruments, you especially when you have
2: well uh, totally, but you definitely don't want to do anything stupid like starting a podcast, for example right yeah don't
1: <laughs> don't do that <laughs> right, right. starting a podcast and talking to people for an hour before their show that's oh, the that's way we do it that's you know? all good. that's all good for me, man. It's all good for me you know uh, Jamie, being in your upper thirties. And you know, knowing that you've been in the broadcast business for the thir- grandfather for thirty of some, the broadcasting industry for thirty some odd years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, want to know, man? Come on, yeah. You, you, ha, you have any, uh, any tips for me for uh, my? Uh... <sighs> well, I'm going to need a little time to
2: process. <laughs> I'll make some notes. I said, set- <laughs> do you know what? I think I I got some kind of advice. From various people, actually, people that I love. So I, I don't know whether you know who this guy is. A guy called John Peel. He's like, he's like really, he's he's sadly deceased. But he, I grew up listening to to him on the radio as as the he's the kind of godfather of music radio. Like he really started so many people's careers just by his love of music. Yeah, and he made so many mistakes, right? If you think about mistakes, particularly on live radio, he'd start the wrong song. He'd play whole <laughs> songs at the wrong speed. He'd stumble <laughs> over words, he'd get names wrong. He'd like. But he is yeah. one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. Terry Wogan, another one Terry like that. Terry Wogan, right? I got it um, Beautiful man. You know, these guys would make mistakes, but they were conversationalists. And things yeah. you're a natural conversationalist. So yeah, yeah. that I think the battle is half there. And you always I always think if you feel like you're talking to one you don't think of your audience as like the millions of people out there. Yeah. You just feel like you're talking to that one person yep. who's sitting there. Yeah. They're on the train, they've got their headphones on, they go, "Hey, let's listen to the Greg Report podcast. He's talking to me." Yeah. That's that's it. And you're already doing that. But yeah. that, that's the advice. I always tell myself, it's like, don't go, hey, everybody out there. It's yeah. like, hey, you out <laughs> there, you know? And your thing is, your music's like that. It yeah. always feels like you're talking to me when exactly. I hear you sing. Exactly. So that's, um, so, okay. that's, the, that's the only thing uh, I think I, I would ever give anyone the advice to, because actually, if you overthink it, yeah. you're going to balls it up already. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, yeah. thank
1: you so much for that. Yeah,
2: you're a legend. This is, I mean, it's your natural home,
1: man. All right. You, you're, you know, You—you—you It's funny. I was reading the notes and it said that you are not 40 yet. Is that what, is that that correct? I'm going to be 40 this year. Yeah. August the 20th is mine. Okay. Let me just tell you how insane that is, because i kind of feel like you're, you're like my uh, older brother, my, 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 (laughs) my, my my grandfather in a way. I remember with, with your first record, your first splash into the environment of music, I remember looking at your, your career and your energy and saying, Yeah, you know, that's uh that's something I would I would like to have. And Ooh. so it's so interesting. We see each other at festivals and, and so now I'm I'm looking down at the paper at thirty nine? What the heck <laughs> oh, that you know <laughs> You've been it's, around forever. You've been around for thirty years and you're thirty nine. <laughs> Explain that,
2: <laughs> players. Maybe uh, yeah I make I, I have this way of making time go slow. <laughs> uh, I you know what I when I first had a big success with this album, 20-something. I was 23, really, 23, 24, 22. Between 22 and 24 was when that album came out. So that's, you know, it's now a long time ago. But at the time, in terms of, like, someone who was using jazz in a, in a commercial pop world, yeah. it wasn't really a major, you know, this is, this is pre-Michael Buble. right. Uh, it was around the time Nora Jones was kind of coming out there was a uh, amy winehouse was uh, we were on we were friends and we were doing tours together and stuff but wow. it was uh someone going on like breakfast telly or mainstream telly and talking about herbie hancock was actually not was not a thing right uh, shocking well it, 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 kind, it kind of especially like some like you know white kid from the west of england you know what i mean who like really kind of grew up more around hip-hop and drum and bass and all these kind of things and like the rock bands i've been in and stuff so i think i was unnaturally in people's faces particularly in jazz people's faces and it caused quite a lot of um i got quite a lot of stick at the beginning because Mm -hmm. i was not a trained jazz musician actually my you know my jazz chops as such have always been I've always been carved out in quite a renegade way and Mm -hmm. um, not in a way that, so I knew lots of jazz musicians who'd done the whole college thing. They knew their modes and their, their chord scale relationships. They had transcribed a thousand solos, you know, here comes me, right? Right. I don't even know what the names of chords are. I know I had to play 150 standards from playing, you know, loads of gigs, but actually it had this, it had this impact in a way on the commercial scene, but also within the jazz scene. And we're like, well, why, why is that guy doing it? And I think it had a lot to do with the energy I kind of threw at it, which was just the energy of like loving music. Yeah. You know, I was young. I kind of attacked it with a kind of pop musicians mentality. Yeah. But with the, lo- I always had a love like a true love of jazz, you know, like I had right. posters of Winton on my wall. Right. You know, I had like a poster of Sonny Clark on my wall. Right. You know, I, I'd also grown up loving a mixture of, you know, Modesky, Martin and Wood, but also Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. and Q-Tip and the, you know, Tribe Called Quest and all this kind of stuff. So um, it was all, all this stuff kind of thrown at it. And it must have been, you must have been one of those jazz guys who gone, well, who, why, why, is, why is that guy doing it?
1: No, actually, I, I I I was very cool with it because uh, I like the way you. Well, first of all, the the the, the energy and the youthfulness uh, that that you you brought to it. I didn't have a career when you. I, I was still trying to figure out how to how to make it happen. So so to see you doing it was like yeah. But were you doing gigs around that time? Were I was you, doing you, gigs. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I yeah. was doing gigs, but mm-hmm. but in terms of anybody knowing me, mm-hmm. um. No. Well, you must have always had that voice, though. The <laughs> yeah, voice was there. But this, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody has... cares about a voice until they care about the voice, you know? Sure. Because, you know, I was just thinking... I had a pretty great voice when I was, you know, doing $30 gigs mm. and it was still a $30 gig, you know what I mean? And I'm not mad about it because those those $30 gigs have seasoned my voice mm. and seasoned my approach and my understanding of what music does to people. So, you know, I'm glad that I'm here now, um, but... I,
2: I, really, I really relate to that because um, obviously, you know, by the time I was doing the bigger you know, the tele shows and the things that are high stakes, Yeah, I felt like, you know, I was wearing crappy clothes and I had a terrible haircut. I had no kind of like, I hadn't really kind of worked on (laughs) my kind of look or anything or any of that stuff that you're supposed to do. But I had done thousands of gigs in crappy places for $30, you know? And so I'm like, well, you know, I know, I know I don't sing like Aretha Franklin and I don't play like Bill Evans, but... (laughs) I know I can get an audience to be on my side, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think in coming to the music, however you come to the music, in an organic way, that that realness, that authenticity comes out. You know, it, just like uh, in music, I'm always talking about this organic thing, and I think that's what you're talking about in an in, in in approach for to radio or broadcasting or podcasts is... Maybe sometimes leaving the the cracks or the pops and the or the, in the pimples in the music, in the in the conversation. I mean, yes, yeah. I just I just made <laughs> I just made a crack and a pop and a pimple just then. But um, yeah, no, but yeah, I think people, the, like,
2: people people love that, and I think also in music, sometimes you know the level of musicianship that you can end up working with. It's like they're making mistakes, yeah. in like inverted commas, but actually. It sounds too smooth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, like, a mistake is Tommy Flanagan's piano solo on Giant Steps, where he didn't quite know the changes. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But actually, we all know Tommy Flanagan's, like, an unbelievable piano player. <laughs> right, but, like, right. John Coltrane turns up with the changes for Giant Steps, <laughs> right. and it's like, whoa, uh, okay. <laughs> and actually, you know, should they have got, given him another run at it? Mm. I don't know. No, I it's love like, that floaty thing that yeah? happened. He's like... He's like he's just floating after yeah. that. And I was like it makes me yeah. It takes the ego cuz it's like he you know he sounds like he can't yet play it. Right. right. And actually I think th- there's a lot there is a lot to learn about ego from that and a lot to learn about that. And I think radio podcasts you know often when I go to jazz concerts I think it's too good. You know, I need a little more risk. And you know I certainly feel that when I go to see a, a you know a big pop concert. And every it's sort of like a stage show. You know, you want a little bit more of the you know, actually, I think I think Michael Bublé is a good example of someone who just keeps a little bit of like spit and sawdust in there, and he may he may be he that may be all made up. I don't know, but I just get the impression <laughs> he's the guy who spent a lot of time, you know, at those clubs. You know, I, 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 I kind of, I, I, you know, I, I went to see him when he did Ronnie Scott's, and he wasn't yet a big star. Yeah, and we chatted, and he's like, he did all that stuff, and yeah. he knows how to bring a little bit of that to. To the to the stadium, you know, uh-huh. and I think when you're doing stadiums, when you're doing the arenas, like I think you're going to be that guy who's able to just keep a little bit of the yeah. the shit on the shoe, right. you know, that keeps it keeps it interesting because yeah. I think people love
1: that, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing that you do that I, I I'm I'm about to steal. Great, you did these. I'm um, so pleased about that. You did these 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 concerts in these very small venues. Yeah, and just the way it looked uh to the eye and on on film was was gorgeous. I like that idea of, of of doing that in different were these like like uh like the concert films or yeah you did yeah. i i, I 't know what it was i don 't yeah. know i don't even know where I saw it yeah but it but it was it was you and just these you know tight environments yeah and uh i, I not it's it 's
2: you know what i i feel like when you have to make your music happen in those environments, maybe you've got like just a bass drum and a snare drum, just the upright bass. Maybe it's not a real piano. I don't know. Maybe it's like an electric keyboard or or just an accordion. I don't know. Those situations. I, I nick all that stuff from Jack White, the White Stripes man. I love he, the way he talks about, uh, um, you know, really limiting his options. Yeah. Like, okay, this time I'm just going to do this with these instruments. Yeah. You know, you know, talk about stealing things. I This book is like my Bible. It's called Steal Like an Artist. Do you know it? Mm, I know. It's by I know. a guy called Austin Kleon. He's a writer and a cartoonist and just like a professional, curious person. Mm-hmm. And he, is amazing. he has this book. He says, he says you, take, you take every artist steals from somewhere, whether it's David Bowie, whether it's, you know, and either great artists, you think, oh, they just plucked out of thin air. They didn't pl- pluck it out of thin air, you know? Yeah it's all there to steal okay. and make, and make your own, yeah, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, Jack White is one of those people I look up to so much, his whole aesthetic of like taking things and limiting himself and see, see what happens. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's where I got that idea from.
1: And you know, it's funny. This is, um, this is, this is how I, my music career started. I, I grew up singing in churches, storefront churches, small churches, that had a piano, or didn't have a piano, or had a piano with with uh, compromised tuning, or missing keys, or you know. So, at the point at which I made it to where there's always a Steinway on the stage, you know, my piano player Chip Crawford can throw me a chord, hmm. and it and it doesn't rattle me because. Hmm. I've I've heard a lot of different things come out of the piano. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely. Know, you know. Yeah. So so, sometimes the limitation, and and this is a it's a it's a thing in in African American music. People talk about the melisma of of of, of black music. That sound comes from. The ear wanting to hear all the notes, but not having an instrument mm. present mm. when you're in the fields. And so I I don't dismiss, you know, somebody who oversings sometimes, because it's a process. Sometimes when you first start singing off, you you know, you first start singing, you want to sing a million notes, but there's a tradition of that, and it yeah. comes from somewhere, and so I don't dismiss it all the time. Sometimes I, you know, I I don't like to hear it all the time, but sure. <laughs> but um but I know that that it's a it it comes from somewhere and 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 generally a more mature singer uh makes makes more subtle choices. But anyway, that was just a little yes. side note. It sometimes limitation can bring about change even in the style of singing and uh yeah. In the past, and even today, I was considering your voice, the type of voice that it is, and it's uh you have a unique sound. You talked about the imagery and maybe the background of 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 you that may have made you popular initially, but it's 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 your voice, your instrument um, It's unique for me it's um I don't want to say. Understated, but it's uh, you loosen the collar of the tuxedo, Hmm. you know, because your voice is in between. uh, Hear me when I say when I say this: the 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 raspy quality of it in the in the lower parts is early morning, and in the higher part of your voice, it's nine thirty in the evening. Very sophisticated, (laughs) and the two together is. Is, is disarming and dope. And so it's your instrument as well. I,
2: and That's you know. cool, man. I, I, love, I love that description. And, and you know, thank you. I, you know, I, cons- I consider you really like one of the great voices of our generation. Oh, man. And so I, uh, you know, I, 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 I listen to your, the, the voice that you have and the instrument you have and, and aspire, you know, it's one of the voices I, I aspire to the first mm. time I heard it. Mm. Um, first, I aspired to making sure people got to hear it. Yeah. That I could, and then, yeah. you know, it was like, wow, what, what can I learn from this? And I think, again, I, I did, you know, I very much did everything on the fly with my voice. You know, I kind again, I'm I'm always like backing up and going, okay, what am I actually doing here?
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I've thought a lot more about my voice in the last five or six years. And just, I still feel like I have a lot of energy, but um, I have to channel my energy in, in different places as well as just to the voice. So I do look after it in a different way. And I yeah. do I do kind of practice, but actually really the thing I I feel like I've focused on more than anything in the last few years is is songwriting that's the thing I like I think about when I wake up and I think about when I go to sleep it's like okay how how am I going to finish this song yeah yeah
1: yeah that's awesome Mm. in your career
2: how many records now do you know what the one that's coming out in June is going to be my eighth record
1: yeah you've done that
2: in the last two years though (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 I'm not making records like you. I know how they work. You at Deco. yeah. It's like we need another
1: record. <laughs> I'm always doing just different little side projects. But you, mm. you, you have in your in your writing and in your projects, you've been very, you know, varied. Your writing and your yeah, just the different different things that you're doing and, and this the sound of the record uh, has, has always been uh, changing. So that's that's another.
2: But, you know, I always think of myself as a like. I come at it as a fan, right? So before I was a musician, really, I was, I was like, I was a trainee Giles Peterson. You know, I was the guy going to record fairs, like going, oh man, this one's produced by the Mizell brothers. And you know, this one's got a Fender Rhodes on it. This is going to be great. Oh my God, acoustic. Ron Carter, (laughs) let's pick this one up. I was that guy, right? right? And I kind of got into the playing through being a fan. yeah. And so... I think one of the reasons jazz was such a a pull for me was because I I kind of felt like if you had the, if you kind of immerse yourself in jazz, you could, you could reach out, you could reach out beyond and you could reach out as a songwriter, you know, from the songwriting point of view, you've got like, you know, from Joni Mitchell to Cole Porter to Irving Berlin, you know, from the musicianship side, you've got from professor Longhair to, to Herbie, to Art Tatum, to, God, i don't know steve winwood yeah traffic all right. that kind of stuff and then uh you know lyrically you can draw from you know this huge pool whether it's the poetry of alan ginsburg or the or the i don't know the 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 words of of rogers and hart
1: all that kind of stuff to, you know you got, you got me thinking of eddie jefferson to to yeah. uh abby lincoln yeah it's huge the umbrella is huge yeah and um, if you're uh, just it, for me, when people say, uh, when you hear somebody utter the words "jazz is not for me," it's like it's because you haven't heard what is for you. Mm-hmm. Because there's something for everybody, really. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I you know, if like a like a great DJ could prescribe the perfect song for the person who who thinks that they don't love jazz. I mean, because everything is out there. Well, you know, that's what Giles Peterson has been doing for
2: you know, I look at him as someone who has inspired me almost as much as any musician has because wow. I grew up listening to his his tapes of his radio shows that someone recorded me when he was on a pirate <laughs> radio station in London. Like I'm talking like I was that's a teenager, so dope, you know, man. and he that's was playing dope. club records super underground, like Mark Murphy stuff from the 70s, yeah, yeah. dance jazz. And I was yeah. like, what, what,
1: what is this? <laughs> yeah. And again, you know. He, he always just knows more than you and just, you know, has listened to more than you. It's just, he's a clever dude. Man. Yeah, he's a But you see, the thing
2: is, I, I, I realize this as I get older and it's quite freeing. It's like, I think there was a time in my late 20s where I felt like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm here in my career, but man, I'm just not, I'm not good enough. And actually the thing is, you're never going to be good enough. You know, I read, that bi- I read a great biography of Bill Evans. He was always building blocks of his work. He was, he was always just building slowly, you know. I mean, he was pretty much always doing heroin as well. That's one yeah. thing. But he was always building his, his music. And there's always going to be someone who sings better. There's always going to be someone who writes better songs. There's always going to be someone, but there's only you, first of all, who can communicate your truth. And I was thinking that about record collecting, you know, you think you've got the most records, you think you know the most about Blue Note <laughs> Records, you know, you know, yeah. Giles knows more about Blue Note <laughs> Records than Don Was does, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, yeah, right. he runs the label, right. And, you know, it's, it's, there's always someone who
1: can yeah. run faster. Yeah. And that's fine. Hey guys, you're listening to The Hang. Hit subscribe or follow on your podcast thingamajig of choice to get every episode of The Hang fresh off the presses. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I feel like um, quite frankly you and I are the modern jazz vocalists is in a interesting but sweet time because we have all of this great history that that came before us and we have the opportunity to, to mix that history with our own identity we have to write you're a writer i'm a writer we, we make our own story make our own legacy but we also hold on to what came before mm-hmm. and with jazz there's a tradition of that and so it's it's not frowned upon you know i, I was listening to uh hip-hop radio the last couple of days as was i was driving in my car in california and um a lot of in the lyrical content they kept saying, you know, about talking about old rappers. You had your chance. Move on. Move out of the way. To the old to the old hip hop stars, icons. Yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> that's that's interesting. I mean, I really, really heard it a lot enough to really notice it. And and, and I and I and I listened to hip hop interviews. A lot of the old masters, geniuses of the music, talk about that. Mm. And, but in jazz, it's something that has to happen. I mean, if you're a great piano player and a great singer, you, you cut your teeth and have been inspired by somebody who came before you. And you also reference them in the new work that you're doing. Mm. And, and it it's kind of keeps this fabric of the music yeah going in a steady way i don't think jazz will ever die if you ask me because there's a continuum yeah yes and that feels more that
2: feels more apparent than ever i think now having a benefit of a bit of hindsight you know particularly doing my radio show and you meet i'm you know i'm meeting all these musicians who say oh my god i saw you on the television when i was 11 you know (laughs) and i'm like oh my god you know and it's, it's, of course, it's like, yeah, of course that happens when you're about to be 40. You know? and, I, and, um, Jacob Collier, he says, I, I saw your first prom, you know, I'm like, wow. You, I mean, you, 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 could probably, you could probably sight sing before you came out of the, the, right. the womb, to be honest. But, uh, right, right. it is, it is funny. It is funny to think that, but, uh, you know, I certainly remember being, you know, the youngest person on the stage. Yeah. And then you know, obviously gradually, gradually that changes and now you're just the youngest-looking person on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Looking, looking 12 your whole life has its disadvantages, I promise you. Yeah, right. You know, Suddenly, I'm going to look 80. You know. I'm the Michael, Michael J. Fox of jazz pop crossover. You know? I'll be, they'll be on my, oh, on my tombstone.
1: I have a story about Michael J. Fox. I'll tell it later. Oh, just excellent. Don't, don't let me forget about oh, it. Cool. It actually breaks my heart. But yeah. Okay. Oh, you're going to keep me hanging on that one. Well, yeah. no, I'll tell it now, yeah. uh, and then we'll get back to our, our discussion of music. I was invited to this uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner of uh, Amazon. He mm. has this uh, essentially a few days, a weekend, longer than a weekend. It's like, a, like four or five days, and you, you're sequestered in this uh, hotel. It's called Campfire. I'm probably I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it, but I am. Excellent. And, and there's there's, uh, there's like people who are like uh, either at the top of something or quite popular in something at the moment are invited, and so there'll be all of these you know like you know Bett Midler and you know Harry Kissinger you know this you know cool. heavy heavyweights yeah did I, I said Henry. Henry I said Harry didn't I yeah. sure, you know but heavyweights and there's hundreds of them iconic people from around the world anyway somehow i got the invite and um mike michael j fox was there and you know he's having some difficulty with his with his uh parkinson's he with, has, with isn't parkinson's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. so i'm going into the bathroom just before my performance gotta happen Right. you've got to do that you know nothing worse than a full bladder
2: right. before you're about to sing 1961 right. do you know what i mean it's right. like things can
1: go really wrong very wrong right yeah. <laughs> oh by the way the band that i was playing with was lenny kravitz on drums oh. uh dave matthews on guitar nona hendrix is the background singer you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, right? And, and they all needed the bathroom too, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And uh, who, wow. was on, who was who was? It was somebody ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> John Bon Jovi, on oh <laughs> oh bass. Dude, I was totally available. Yeah, <laughs> I just want you to know I was totally available. Yeah. So this was yeah. this was a crazy band that I was working with. Anyway, so I'm I'm trying to make myself a bit more comfortable, and I go into the accessible toilet. Yeah. Oh and and uh I think I know what's coming. The <laughs> one time that I did it. <laughs> and I never do that. I, I always, you know, uh, leave it for people. It's yeah, bad form, man. Bad yes, form. bad form. Yeah. I I went into but it but needs it, must. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the very one time that I do that, Michael J. Fox I, I, as I'm coming out, I see him, you know, struggling to get inside of uh, uh of the regular toilet and I felt like like a like uh a like terrible a, a terrible person like an idiot because yeah. he gave me this look like man really come on man really <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know cuz there was like eight toilets but they were all you know occupied and so i should have just waited and uh, and done the right thing but god greg oh, man i just just broke my heart that's the that's the that's the one time in this court out time, by my one- my michael j fox right oh, right man. and he gives me a look like dude really really <laughs> <laughs> and I had no sympathy for myself, but uh, but I but I was hoping that he would stay, so he would know that I'm a cool guy. Because exactly. I mean, I I I, I I I I think they asked me to do three songs. The first song I want I went to do was Take Me to the Alley, and yeah. I and in 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 my mind I was like, okay, that'll let him know that I'm I'm a cool guy. And then I'll then so I, that whole
2: song you were just looking out for Michael J. Fox, where is he? <laughs> right? Where right. Is he?
1: And the next one would be When Love Was King, you know. Yeah. And and so he's like, okay, he's not a jerk, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> But I've always used music as a, a way to express who I who I am as, as a man and as as a person. The things that I want to say to the world or to just a room of people. Do you find that your music has been representative of who you are?
2: Well, that's a that's a really timely question for me, actually. And you know, firstly, I'll say I think one of the really one of the really interesting things about you having your moment and taking it and, you know, becoming the musical star that you have is that actually I feel like you knew who you were as a man when you had your moment, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when you were ready to take that stage, you could say, this is who I am. This is my music. And look, I know we all develop, but actually you were a grown man by the time. You know, a lot of people become adults in the face of that. And I think that's one of the... One of the many reasons why, you know, the stars aligned, you know, for me, you know, I've been discovering that along the way and, you know, my mistakes have been made, you know, look, I'm not Justin Bieber, but, you know, to some, to some degree, I've been working that stuff out on a more public situation within my music. And actually there's a record, it started five years ago and, you know, I, I have, I have two young kids. Uh, and you know what that's like, but I, I started this record and I made some really good tracks, right? I was like, yeah, this is coming together and had like five, six, seven songs. I'm like, yeah, you know, I had things that sounded like singles and this one will work great on radio and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I had a, I just had this moment about a year into that, it just all felt wrong. And I'll tell you why it's because the music was great. Songs were solid they were not matching up with the man I was becoming.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They weren't expressing who I was becoming. And that sounds pretty grand. It doesn't need to be grand. It's just it didn't sound truthful. Uh, you know, I likened it in my own head to like when an aging pop star is still writing songs about going to the club <laughs> and doesn't go to the club anymore. And actually just like, wants to be in bed by like nine thirty. <laughs> and again, it's not that that was me. And I didn't want to write songs about taking my kids to school, but the reality of my life was I was, touring like 80% less than I used to. Right. So I was on the road really like 25 dates a year. Yeah. I was taking my kids to school every day, bringing them home. I was reading a hell of a lot about all sorts of things, philosophy, space, physics, science. I was learning a lot about my family history, which is that, you know, I have refugees on both sides. I am in a marriage with a, a, a very, emotionally intelligent woman and I had a lot of uh, housekeeping to do actually yeah a lot of housekeeping to do as a person and you know my initial thought was that okay well I'll do all that and then I can put it into my music and be great that didn't work either so I realized I had to do this stuff just I had to take a step back and actually just become you know and so I actually spent quite a bit of time not really just going to the studio every day just like being a person. Um, yeah. And again, my life isn't so grand at all. I'm not saying that like people were begging me for an album. It's like the public, like when's Jamie's album? There's nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. I just, I think when you get in that kind of, you get on that hamster wheel of it. Yeah. You, sometimes you forget that actually you have, you're accountable, you know, to yourself, you're accountable to your kids, you're accountable to your wife, accountable to your friends, your family. So it took a little time. Yeah. And after a while, I started to write songs with, I think some real, I like like to think some real authenticity to them. And I'm not saying I haven't done that in the past, but this record that I just made is called taller. It feels like it's got some emotional weight to it that has not come before. And, um, so I threw all that stuff away. I threw all those songs away and started from scratch. And I started at home on my own. Uh, I wrote 10 songs and I recorded 10 songs I made it with my buddy, Troy Miller, who I know, you know, really well, uh, quite a few of these songs, I setting up the mics, pressed record myself, chose the best take. And then me and Troy would work on them. You know, there's a few tunes I'm playing bass on myself, a few tunes, you know, I'm kind of layering up the Hammond and a few different things. And, and, um, I don't know whether it's what the people want to hear. I don't know whether it's what radio want to hear, but I feel like I can stand behind this. And it feels, it feels really exciting in a way that things haven't felt exciting before.
1: That's wonderful, man. Mm. That's, that's the, that's the, you know, in, in, in this time of your life, even what you were talking about, that you, that you, a moment to live, it's, 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 it's the part of life that I never considered after college. You know, when you, you know, going to college or whatever study history that you may have, it even may have ended in high school for, for, for some people. Education never stops. So now, when I have a moment to like read about psychology or mm. Greek mythology or, or just African-American history or just my own American history, the the unedited versions, I feel like I, I, I'm, in, I'm becoming a better person for the music.
2: Yeah, Cu- Our um, curiosity is uh it's the it's the fountain of youth really you know i mean i really i think it's the thing i really got from my parents and their grandparents uh my mum was born in burma she came over when she was four or five uh in the middle of the night my dad was born in jerusalem uh his mother escaped nazi germany and you know so they all ended up in the uk as as you know refugees yeah and with very compromised upbringings and lives but their curiosity they needed to fit in. You know, yeah. I think that that was something that was a real feature of their lives. They needed to like, okay, look, you're in this country, you need to fit in, keep your head down and get on with it. So I got a work ethic from them. But curiosity, you know, my dear grandmother who, you know, had, she lost her family, was not ever reunited with her wider family uh, when she escaped in Prussia during the uh, World War Two. But she, her flat was like, I just remember it as a it felt like one of those um, rooms in Harry Potter that's just like, there's books, like there's no, you can't really see any walls. You know, it's just, it's just books everywhere. And, yeah. you know, I'd come back from my A-level English course and I think, oh man, I'm reading some really deep stuff. You know, no one's going to know this. And like, I say, oh, Toni Morrison. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've read all her, all yeah. the stuff. And she's like, not only she read all of Toni Morrison's books, but like she's got m- notes in the margins. You know, she's not studying. She's just, she's writing notes in the margins about the imagery and the poetry. And I'm like- That was, you know, that was on one side, you know, it's like, it's there. And I think that curiosity is, you know, part of what my album is about is this, um, how there's all these things that make us feel disconnected, but actually I'm trying to take these things that make us feel disconnected and uh, and use it to satisfy my curiosity, you know. I try to make my my phone, for example, like a a temple of like interest, but for the things that really interest me, not just pretty pictures, but like, you know, obviously look podcasts, yeah. you know, books, audiobooks, um, yeah. you know, websites that I feel really in, enrich me. I'm just trying to yeah. soak all that stuff up yeah. and I, I feel the same way about you, about curiosity, you know, keep it fresh, keep it. Keep yeah, it, that's you know. really,
1: that's really cool because, yeah, it, it can, it can find its way to the music and, mm. um, and fortify the music. Where's your writing at, at the moment? What do you, what are you, are you I know, well, yeah, I'll be I'll be recording soon. Of course, you are. You've always got something going, man. Well, so I'm trying to just you know kind of raise my, my hands up and my eyes up to to the sky and let it radiate into me, and then you know and see what what comes out um, organically. Again, you know, it's the, the the stories of love, trying to find the angle of the message and and the melody, and you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you'll get the message and the story, but the melody and, and, you know, and they don't match. Hmm. So you, you know how writing a song is just, is, is, is some magic. Um, I'm trying to simplify. I'm trying to be as, the brevity of the blues is genius. Yeah. The brevity of the blues is genius. And I think to give a message... There's a technique in black American preaching. You're constantly coming back to a particular line to remind the congregation, just to, to stick that line again, over and over and over again. And the blues does that. And so I want to continue to write music that way, where when you've, you're done listening to a song of mine, I don't want to overwhelm you with the cleverness of my poetry. I want to overwhelm you with the sincerity of my message, mm. and that's what I'm trying to to find. Yeah. You know, you keep, you know, you keep sifting through the sand until you find the gold. Um, that's where I am. Some things are cool, and some things are like, you know, not that cool. You have any little demos yet, or anything? Yeah, or, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I have some some demos. You know what I, I I have also have been doing recently is listening to something that I've done in. In the past, sometimes that reinforces what I'm trying to say currently. It's not uh, retelling the story. It's the continuation of the story of optimism of love or uh, mutual respect or, you know, justice. So I'm, I'm still exploring the same themes, but... Well, they're kind of even awesome more story. pertinent than ever, though, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um, as I travel and, you know, we travel around the world, you know, I, I can't help but be affected by people and politics that I, that I see around me. And I, and I have to be careful not to let it overwhelm my music because it's heavy on my heart. Uh, I have to remember to talk about the other things that are going on in life, in the, the spectrum of, of, of music. But, um you could let it overwhelm you. You really can. It's some. It's some frightening things that are happening out there. But, uh, but that's interesting. Even just to hear you talk about the the fabric of your family and and where they come from and their struggles already. Just even in the conversation, the the authenticity has bumped up and jumped up. Not just not not just the fact that I, I wondered where you get your. Wonderful tan from it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know people think I've been on the sunbeds. Yeah, yeah. Not not just that, but just just the um, you know just to hear you talk about your parents and your and your grandmother that I've I've already fallen in love with them. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So if you put some of their energy into the music, you know, my mother has has you know, engraced me to millions of people. They loved me, mm. but. You know, my mother seasoned it. You understand what I'm saying? I do. So, you know, I, I, without even hearing the music yet, Jamie, I'm already, I'm already intrigued. So, so yeah, that'll, that'll be dope. I'm looking forward to it. Oh cool, um, man. Yeah, man. So, we're in, hanging in, Chelting,
2: Chelting, Cheltingham, Chel- brilliant, Chelting. Chel- Chelting, Cheltenham, Cheltenham. We're, we're in Cheltenham. So you hear all. You hear all. Yeah, we're in. This is like deep Cotswolds, man. Yeah, man. this yeah. is literally. Like, literally speak a different language. I here. mean, Woo. lashings of cream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. You have got it. I, th- I, I, I think you fit right in, man. I think this is it. It's your spiritual home. Are you here all weekend? I oh, am, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: you are. yeah. What's the title? You know, if you do, you know, if you if you are artist and resident or mm. a curator mm. or uh, there's a there's a festival, the Nice Jazz Festival they kept calling me the grandfather i'm yeah. like what i'm the grandfather of the festival i was like wait a minute kid. i'm not ready to be a grandfather y'all <laughs> I think they, they, what did, did they mean godfather
2: or did they mean grandfather yes, Godfather makes right, more right, sense. right 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 there might have been a translation book- mistake there <laughs> right right right. <laughs> so how do you, how do you like doing this i mean are, are you a podcast listener
1: as it were yeah yeah i like you know i've always like extended like npr i like it extended or bbc conversation is better than interviews extended uh Mm. conversations or Mm. interviews Mm. are always better because you get a a deeper understanding you know because we're running this may be one of the longest conversations that that we've had Mm -hmm. i have an affection for you and you Mm. have for me Mm. but yeah, because we're, we're we're moving all the time. Yeah, um, so it, it was you know really great to, to to sit down with you and talk about the new project, taller. Right? Yeah, taller. Yeah, that's
2: coming out in uh, in June, and you know it's. Uh, I think that this is uh, like I love hearing your voice singing. I love hearing your voice talking. So I think this is this is great. It's such a great plan, and uh, it's just um, it's awesome that as many people get to hear. It, your music as they do because it's like it's it just made me feel like
1: things sometimes in the universe are are correct yeah <laughs> well you you were the you were either the first or one of the first to play me in the in the uk and yeah. the genesis of my career was emanating from from here so i would say yeah well between well, between <laughs> you know if, 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 if I, I, i'll Peterson take that
2: i'll take that <laughs> i'll take that and i'll I'll if, if that, whether that was true or not i remember shouting about you saying this guy's amazing
1: right well so so somebody called me and said um, Jamie Cullum is like playing one of your songs you know like every time he's on the radio and I was like oh okay that's dope I appreciate that well thank you hey my pleasure man and look thanks for um, and, I'll, and I'll, you, I'll get that that
2: check to you soon <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what Let's just let's c- c- Come over to my house We'll do lunch Okay, And cool. we'll have part two Of the conversation Okay And uh, we can get In the panelling pool Okay Get in the panelling pool The non-punctured one We can uh, We can <laughs> hang out In a different part Of the English countryside It's a little different to here <laughs> Okay But I think I think you'll like it
1: Yeah, that's cool, man oh, Looking forward to it, man Wicked. Thank you Great to see you, Gregory My pleasure Cool, man Thank you So there it is. Don't forget, you can listen to The Hang on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast thingamajig of your choice and get every episode of The Hang fresh off the presses. Mm -hmm. Clap your hands now. This is Gregory Porter. Thank you so much for joining me. You've been listening to The Hang, a cup and nuzzle production. Come on, bring it in.